tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I am Lark Malachi Gray. Uh, And I am Jesse Blount, and today we are doing something special for everyone. We're going to talk about tarot and this book, and it's going to be cool. If you're happen to not listen to the gaily prophet we do this at the end we've been doing this at the end of every harry potter book and we will also be doing this at the end of every carry-on book which is of course only three of them but and whatever books we do after that's true and i probably after a season of buffy i would imagine yeah 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 so the way that this works is that you don't need to know anything about tarot at all uh, we are going to talk through the plot of the book and talk about what tarot cards from the Major Arcana are appearing in Simon's journey at that moment in the plot, basically. So the Major Arcana, tarot is split into Major and Minor Arcana. You don't need to know anything about the Minor Arcana. They're like the normal cards. The Major Arcana are archetypes. So these are sort of the, like, capital letter cards. Uh, When they show up in a reading, they're saying something big and important, and they are what's called, the order that they go in is called the Fool's Journey. It starts with card zero, the Fool, and it ends with card 21, the, the world. And it represents, like, the path that you are following in your life. Uh, it more or less tracks onto the idea of the hero's journey. So if you know about that, they're very similar. And we will be explaining what every card stands for as we talk about it. And it's real fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and briefly, before we actually get started, I just want to thank our latest reviewer. So Mayra PDR, thank you so much for leaving us a lovely review. Um, Yeah, so we're just, we're going to do this thing. Um, Every hero's journey, every book that you read that has a sort of arc, even if it's not a fantasy book, starts with your main character as the fool. Uh, The fool is starting something new, right? So if if a book has a plot, (laughs) the character develops over the course of the book, they're starting off as the fool because they're setting off on a new journey there's undertaking something new so simon starts off as the fool simon does start off as the fool yeah and then i think that he also is already at chariot energy oh yeah a hundred a hundred and ten percent uh i was like if let's pretend that we did a like three card spread for what for Simon. I feel like it's the fool, it's the chariot, and possibly the sun, mm-hmm. or possibly strength. But anyway, yeah, definitely. I feel like Simon is just a hundred, just hundred ten percent chariot energy, you know, which is a card often about a lot of a uh, force and presence in their sort of like what they are driving to do. So if you're imagining a literal chariot running 
like a running chariot. You would be you'd be in the right in the right uh, mental imagining. Yeah, chariot is very like go energy. It can be good or bad go <laughs> energy, but it's always go energy. Yeah, and like Simon just buzzing with magic, you know, like. I don't think he's ever not been at Chariot since he like turned eleven and started at Watford. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, but he also wants to get off his chariot. Oh yeah, because <laughs> uh, it's a fucking shitty ride. It's a shitty bumpy ride. <laughs> it is, yeah. For poor Simon. Yeah, um, and then I thought you know he gets to school and immediately sort of his chariot uh, gets kind of derailed and we see Simon ending up at like hanged one. So, you know, the hanged one is basically a card about waiting. It's not even about like indecision. It's more just about lack of movement. You know, you're just sort of like, don't know what's coming next, but because Baz isn't there and Simon literally just does not know what to do. Like, the mage is ignoring him. He doesn't have anything necessarily to fight. And without the antagonism of Baz, that energy that he's full of has nowhere to go while he waits for the humdrum to do something. Yeah. And of course, you know, he has to keep an eye on his mortal enemy, you know. Exactly. Like you do. <laughs> um, so then the next major thing that happens is that Baz's mom comes through the veil and gives Simon a quest that was meant for Baz. A quest of the nature that she's handing out is obviously going to be justice, I think. Uh, I I think you're right, definitely about justice. Uh, I actually also have um, both. I have Natasha actually as part of the Wheel of Fortune, too. Yeah, I think she initiates the Wheel of Fortune mm-hmm. in Simon's life. Yeah, actually... I have to admit, I actually just put Dead Mom Club under Wheel of Fortune because I feel like Lucy also <laughs> uh, embodies a little bit of this card. Do you want to talk about that? So we have we have like we have Natasha who's sort of setting up this initial sort of overall arc of this book and very drastically changing like Simon and Baz and to a lesser extent Penny's life. But I also think what we're what we're what is being uncovered in Lucy's POV is sort of that Simon has already been caught up in a like in this sort of power struggle on a larger stage wheel of fortune that he wasn't even aware of, you know. Mm-hmm. Even before this whole like him finding out he's a mage and the whole and like being the chosen one, you know. No, I think that's a really good point about sort of Lucy revealing this sort of larger, this larger wheel that's been turning in Simon's life. And like Natasha's sort of a wheel within the wheel. He's got a whole like... It's like an intricate clockwork of just bullshit that Simon could have never have gotten away from, even if, say, he hadn't been in that room when Natasha came to like tell fucking someone to go avenge her death. Right. You know? And yeah, just... We- wheels within wheels is always just oh Simon, hey, sweet boy, you don't you don't even know yet, you don't even know what mechanisms are happening in the behind your back. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, we should touch really quick upon what both justice and the wheel of fortune mean in the tarot. Uh, so 
these are actually both pretty like the the does what it says on the tin kind of cards uh justice is a card about literal justice uh it's a very sort of like right and wrong black and white Mm -hmm. you know you have choices you have to make the correct choice like capital c correct choice and the wheel of fortune is you know insert the wheel in the sky keeps on turning Yeah. So it's just like change. Big change is happening. And like the best thing you can do with the Wheel of Fortune is roll with it because it's going to happen no matter what. And what you don't want it to be is like caught in the spokes. Yeah. Which honestly, I think actually Simon is like pretty good at. He is not stubbornly trying to stay in one place. He's just like, actually, my entire life is not my under my control. So like whatever the fuck is coming I what okay here I am let's let's do this yeah and then of course as we talk about many times in this book isn't great because it just it gives Simon has just sort of very fatalistic is that the word that I want Mm -hmm. like fatalistic view sort of his his own future because he assumes that he's not going to have one because he assumes that he's going to be crushed spectacularly under in the sort of wheel of the wheel of fortune yeah that's actually such a good point not just for like this discussion but like generally that there's different ways that you can like roll with the punches right that the wheel is bringing you can do it passively or you can do it intentionally and well passively is better than trying not to roll with it because it's going to be like easier it's definitely what you want is to roll with it intentionally to be like, okay, I accept what comes because like I'm living my life and not what Simon is doing, which is like, I accept what comes because like, what the hell else am I going to do? Yeah. So yes, the next thing that happens is that Baz comes back. Baz. Baz. And that's when our quest really starts. Mm -hmm. I have this, you know, obviously Baz is back for a little bit before Simon tells him about his mom, but from the moment that Simon and Baz team up, I think that this is actually where the magician comes in. What Simon needs to feel equipped to take on this quest is his team. And that team, I think, is Baz and Penny. Like, a team and a mission. And yeah. those are his ingredients. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what the magician is really about. It's actually the, f- you know, the first card after the fool. It's the main character of the fool's journey gathering what they need to be able to go on their journey and it's good energy magician energy is good energy it's a feeling of like preparedness and creativity and you know having something to focus on yeah i feel like i feel like it is i felt the magician is very much sort of baz's sort of the vibe that the vibe that we get from him sort of once once we're like starting to know him at the beginning of this book. But I think maybe also sort of his, like, vibe in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. The Magician might be my favorite tarot card, I think. Like, energy-wise. It's funny because I have a temperance tattoo, but I think I needed that temperance tattoo at the moment in my life that I got it. hmm But, yeah, the Magician is just so... 
there's so much intention and so much creative energy around that card and i feel like that's what i always want to be embodying in my life mm-hmm. what is your what is your birth card have you done that uh-huh it's the psychic the high priestess for people who are using the standard cards i think i think that's right that's actually funny i got i got the empress which for a long time i was kind of just like <laughs> This is definitely not my deal. And I'm like, okay, but nurturing kind of is my deal. So I guess. Yeah. We talked about that, right? Like us talking about Hagrid as the nurturer sort of helped you yeah. come into realizing the way that you embody it also. Yeah. It's just, it's nice to like have it not connect with like mother earth goddess bullshit, which is like, yeah, not really my deal. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. None of this sacred femininity stuff is really 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 my jam right yeah i think that's why it's important to degender the tarot yeah like when i was designing my tarot deck that in theory fingers crossed i'm starting a kickstarter for in january (gasps) right all right everyone help me embody the energy to (laughs) run a fucking kickstarter so i can i can i cannot i cannot wait to help you with this project this is very exciting Thank you. But yeah, figuring out non-gendered terms, both for the major arcana and also for the court cards was Mm -hmm. like step one before I even start drawing. What am I calling these cards? Um, And I'm really happy with the things I landed on. So. Um, All right. Baz, the magician, he's here in the story and they're teaming up, teaming up to fight crime. I mean, (laughs) maybe not fight crime, solve a mystery. Yeah. So the next thing that I have plot-wise is when Simon and Baz kiss. Is there anything before that that needs attention? Yes. Well, okay. I just want to talk briefly about Agatha. Okay. For a hot second. Because I feel like Agatha thinks that she is sort of maybe bringing in some hanged one energy, I think. Especially if you want to think about a more sort of traditional reading about that card sort of being involving some kind of sacrifice or being sort of sacrificial in nature. Cause I feel like, you know, we get a lot of, of Agatha just being like, I've seen this trope with a like damsel in distress and I fucking hate it. And I don't fucking, I, I don't want this to be me at all. I think that we love about Agatha for sure. And I, but I, and I just kind of want to talk about a little bit how I actually think that maybe that she's actually sort of, uh, embodying the the high priestess mm-hmm. so because i feel like i mean this is just me like every all of the sort of major players in like simon's orbit i feel like we just go right from the fool down to the you know hierophant with like kind of like the players in his life mm-hmm. so um so i just want to mention agatha my favorite and <laughs> that if anyone's bringing intense Empress energy, it is, of course, Ebb. <laughs> yeah. Wait, hang on. I don't want to move off of Agatha Yeah, yet. sorry. No, you're right. Yeah. So I also had her as uh, the psychic, the high priestess. But then listening to you talk about the hanged one, I actually think that feels more hermit to me. Like where okay. she is in her own personal journey mm-hmm. is very much... Like, she's experiencing her own internal life and, like, figuring out what she wants to do when she comes out of this state of sort of, you know, meditation. Yeah. Especially once her and Simon officially break up. 
Right. Which happens pretty early in the book, right? Mm-hmm. Because Bass comes back, and they break up shortly after that. Mm-hmm. Shit, maybe you're right. Maybe... I think it's... I mean, I think every... All of these characters, I think, can be multiple... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Multiple things. I think in terms of what she's showing up in Simon's journey, it's more psychic. It's more like she's the one out here being like, this is bullshit. Like... Yeah. You need to look at what's happening. Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like Agatha can see the situation much sometimes much I don't want to say clearer, but I think she, I think sometimes she has a better sense of the whole picture even better than Penny does just because Agatha is sort of removed and she's like she doesn't feel this like same sense of like this like epic moral or intellectual obligation. She's just like, I just want to be a fucking regular normal teen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And like, I don't necessarily care about all this like high politics intrigue bullshit is that is happening. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She is. She's outside of it. She's in it, but she doesn't want to be. And so, yeah, yeah, she doesn't have the feelings. She's not caught up in the feelings of it. She's just like, this sucks. Yeah, the emotional the emotional uh, investment for her is like I just want to f- be fucking normal, and then also maybe normal capital N for this book. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so if we want to go through really quick and talk about or not quick, whatever. If we want to go through and talk about the different characters and like the cards that they're showing up as in Simon's journey, I agree that Eb is showing up as the nurturer. I also think that even though Simon can't hear her like he's not aware of what's happening with lucy she's also showing up as Mm, the nurse yeah 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 yeah. no you're totally correct so briefly for folks who aren't familiar with tarot card two is what we've been calling the psychic or the high priestess which is a card about like reasoning that's outside of just what's happening inside of your brain it's about intuition it's about listening to what you know without knowing why you know it it's like instinct or like gut reaction kind of like that sort of I feel like I'm just gonna say vibe twenty million times this episode. I mean that really is talking about the vibe of a card is like really what we're doing here. So Yeah. Um and then the nurturer is card three, also frequently known as the Empress. Um, and that's like the mommy card, not in a gendered way, in a what does it mean to embody like soft nurturing caring energy way and then card four we have what i call the pillar often called the emperor which is like the daddy card what does it mean to embody like stable supportive grounding parental energy and i think that's penny personally penny provides grounding supportive energy the fucking mage provides Straight up patriarchal power and authority. The Hierophant? The Hierophant. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Because I think, so we read Dumbledore as like the pillar reversed, right? What is What happens when like that sort of paternal energy goes fully awry? But the mage is so deeply embedded in politics and what he considers to be right and wrong and how everyone should act according to that, that to me that feels more Hierophant than Pillar. Okay. What do you think? No, no, that's that's an excellent point. Do you want to talk about what the Hierophant is? Yeah. 
so a hierophant card is the imagery is commonly very like priest-ish bishop-y whatever religious like christianity yeah like the pope yeah but a lot of it i feel like is a lot of like kind of traditional knowledge and learning and sort of like traditional traditional power and like ways of thinking and seeing and i feel like it often is also connected to some kind of like you know kind of like teaching vibe but like where you're teaching the status quo essentially which is very much the fucking mage no matter Mm -hmm. how much he wants to call himself the great reformer uh he's still a misogynistic piece of garbage yeah, and he's still working from a very rigid rule book, even if yeah. it's not, you know, the the rule book that was there previous to him coming into power. Yeah, and he's still, I mean, I guess I don't even know what to call, because it's not like the mage is a parental figure because he's not, but he's still like a sort of like authority figure in Simon's life. It's like Simon was up to the mage as mm-hmm. sort of, I mean, it is almost like, I don't know, maybe more of the like headmaster student vibe where like the mage is sort of showing him the way, but there's not anything paternal right. about it at all. And I think we also have to acknowledge that in terms of his role in Simon's journey here, the mage is also the devil. Yes, 110%. Uh, yeah, I just put fucking Davy in my notes. <laughs> 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 Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so the devil is a card about th- like things that are like incapacitating you. Uh, it can be, you know, fear. It's a card about fear. Uh, addiction. Self-destruction. Negativity, yeah. sort of. Yeah. Whatever is stopping you from being able to like be your best self and like accomplish your dreams and goals, that's where the devil is showing up. And, you know, the mage has this grasp on Simon and we see over the course of this book, Simon sort of unshackling himself from the mage's, you know, devil energy and figuring out who he wants to be separate from what the mage has sort of planned for him. Yeah, and I mean, I think that it, the fucking mage, like fucking Davy, he's also the devil for Lucy. Oh know? yeah. Really, really, he just fucking just straight up ruined this his entire fucking family, mm-hmm. like straight up for not any goddamn good reason. No. Anyway, yeah. Let's. Do you want to go to the kiss? Yeah, I mean, let's acknowledge first, like the lovers. I think so. Card card six can be about romantic relationships obviously in that way baz is showing up for simon as the lovers but it also is just about people that love you and support you and make you feel like you are you know you're supported you're cared for um so penny is definitely also showing up in the lovers card and i think ebb also simon has a few very strong connections in this book but they but the ones that are there are very strong Yes. Yeah, well said. Um, Yeah, so that's perfect. Like, perfect lead into the kiss because this is such a lover's moment. (laughs) It's so great. Jesse just did, like, the cutest uh, hand hand clasp. We just, it takes, it takes so long for these silly boys to kiss. So I know. 
300 pages. <laughs> 300 pages. I want to say, is it like 60 chapters? Yeah, it sure is. Oh, man. Hope you guys love a slow burn. Um, Yeah. I think this is also some star energy here. Because it's this brief but very powerful moment where Simon is able to like let go of all the stress that he's been carrying and like you know this sort of mini tower moment that they're having with like the vampires and like uh you know not telling the mage and all of this stuff and then like they have this kiss and Simon has this evening of like wow I'm like really happy (laughs) you know yeah and I feel like it's like one of the first like very hopeful spots of this of this book Mm -hmm. which is like finally (laughs) 60 chapters later. <laughs> and I mean, Baz has been waiting for this moment for literally years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So the star is uh, about hope, I think, is the best way to describe that card. Uh, it follows the tower, which follows the devil. Um, the tower is about like crisis, everything just like going so wrong. Uh, and then the star comes in and is like, yeah, like you went through all of that. And like, look where you are now. You made it. Yeah. Funny how this combination is maybe going to show up at the end of this. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah. So then the next day is when we have our like Scooby meeting with Penny and Agatha and Simon and Baz. And Simon is faced with Agatha being like, we have to tell the mage and Baz and Penny being like, absolutely not. And, you know, and then Agatha's like, come home with me. And Simon's like, I don't want them to know that I'm making out with Baz. So, like, I guess I have to. He's just in this, like, utter. This, it feels so, it is huge, you know? Like, this is a terrible, terrible moment for Simon. So many spilled cups. <laughs> yeah. So, I think this is another justice moment in a lot of ways for him is like what is the right thing for me to do right now is the right thing to tell the mage is the right thing to leave baz behind i think he makes the right choice in in both circumstances yeah i actually also think that this is also an instance of like just like the strength card of just being like i have this sort of like internal clarity and i'm actually gonna follow through on it you know Mm-hmm. and like make make that step yeah totally agree okay so he goes back to baz's house that's the night when the humdrum attacks the pitch manor mm. which i would say is when the tower initiates and runs through the end of the book or the end you know up until the epilogue yeah because it's yeah it's all just it all just crumbles from there in a literal tower. <laughs> In a literal crumbling tower. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, so Simon learns that he's the humdrum. I believe that that is when he goes through, I call it reckoning, judgment. Oh, judgment. Yeah, the judgment card in tarot it's like the card that comes before the world you're like almost there and what you have to do is like look at everything and make sure that all of your choices are the choices that you meant to make it's like the justice card on a major scale 
And like Simon just found out that he's he's the big bad, you know, and he has to figure out what to do with that. And then when he, you know, he decides he's going to pass that responsibility onto the mage. But when he gets there, he's like, oh, the mage actually can't be trusted with this. And I don't know if anything is a better example of reckoning than like. That's true. Having to reject his mentor, this person that has always told him what to do and be like, no, I actually know. And like step in again to that strength card mm-hmm. and like do the the right thing, the thing that he knows he has to do to make the world better. He has to be on that hero shit. Yep. <laughs> mm, poor baby on his hero shit. But on the bright side, fucking fuck the mage, dude. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. I think this is where we get to the death card, the card that everyone thinks is so scary, but really is just about closing one door and opening another. Tarot readers love the death card. Tarot recipients are terrified of the death card. I think that's just how that goes, but it it's I think it's a good card. Yeah, I mean, if if we called it the like chrysalis card, people wouldn't be so freaked out about it. Oh, that's a good point. But it's like it's basically the same thing. It's like you are it's a card about transform like a very radical transformation mm-hmm. sort of like all of the you know caterpillar goo becomes a butterfly somehow question mark <laughs> magically yeah so yeah it just has such a finality to it like the chapter that you're ending is done and that's why it's called the death card but like death is followed by rebirth and yeah and i mean yeah like simon pours out all of his active whatever you want to call magic and to like end the humdrum but Mm -hmm. he doesn't stop being magical which i guess will be a discussion for next the next couple of books but yes his transformation into his final pokemon evolution of of being (laughs) being an adorable dragon baby yeah who can't do magic anymore which is a huge shift yeah is there anything else before we get to the epilogue no, let's go through the epilogue, and then if we want, if we want to talk about like minor characters, we can. Okay. All right. So, the epilogue. Let's see. So I have, you know, we. I think it's the sun in a lot of ways. The sun is a card about happiness. Oh, I wanted to mention actually that the the you know, reckoning that Simon is doing in terms of like the humdrum and what to do with the mage and stuff like that is also the moon energy. I think the moon in tarot is confusingly not this sort of like, I mean, I think we associate the moon with this like sort of divine, like clarity and like magic, but the moon in tarot is actually about confusion and like uncertainty uh, in a very deep psychic way. Yeah. Uh, And I think that Simon really, really goes through the moon here where he's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do now? Yeah. I mean, it is sort of like he doesn't know it, but it's it's probably one of his literal nightmares, you know, Mm -hmm. like the whole situation at that point. And you're just like, yeah, that's just the straight up the moon. Right. It's just like, yeah, like you're just having these like you're fighting, but psychically, I guess. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, so I like that sort of the end of this book really does sort of, it really tracks onto the 
step-by-step process of the end of the major arcana so we have the tower you know the the mage dying weirdly really is showing up as like the star you know the big the big bads the mage and the humdrum are now defeated simon has gone through the moon which is next uh and we get to the epilogue and he's really in the sun i guess it's not exactly because like he went through reckoning before before he gets to the sun but yeah but like the humdrum's death and the mage's death it like it brings it like has removed a weight from his actual soul (laughs) right you know yeah so the sun is about happiness and a feeling of completion and like satisfaction and i did the thing and woohoo look at me and he's and he's we- and he's wearing a very gay uh blue velvet blazer while he does it <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i would say he's still more in star energy there and we really see the sun showing up when he's like in his apartment and is like yeah i'm stable i'm settled with his chosen family exactly mm-hmm. yeah and i would argue that we do we have a hint of the world there too or maybe not a hint. Maybe he actually has reached the world in terms of this particular journey. What do you I, think? I, I feel like it's a hint because I feel like I just put under the world. I just had like LOLOL because of like, <laughs> you know, it's not, it is, it's a good ending and it's like a, and it is like a happy ending, but it's, as we see in the next two books, not necessarily an all is right with the world sort of happy storybook ending, which is fine. Like, yeah. I really like the ending of this book. But like for Simon's world, yes, like he is in this stable place with his boyfriend and he's going to therapy and like he's, you know, working on his emotional issues and trauma. So it's like, I mean, really, what more can you ask for at a, a given at any given point? Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if we think about it as like, this is just you know a a piece of his life that he's completed Mm. yeah you're right it is still just like a a bit a bit of world energy because like what we do see in the next two books is sort of still a continuation of like the fallout of this book and what happens what happens next so which makes sense there'd be a huge fallout of this deeply intense and traumatic ending to a already intense and traumatic previous seven well previous i guess his entire life but it's but like mm-hmm. being at watford really takes it up a notch of like terrible intense things that happen yep so yeah so that's the that's the plot what who else or what else do you want to talk about um i i went with i was so when i was going when i was doing my notes i did a lot of the sort of like the major players coming through but i think it would still be fun to talk about fiona and nico okay (laughs) just because i'm like i should put some thought into this because i just love them so much as characters i will say though that i that i do think that nico also has a little bit of that hermit energy too Mm -hmm. just because of how I mean, honestly, he just feels removed from, like, all of the worlds, <laughs> really. Mm-hmm. The normal world and the magical world and the possibly the vampire world. Don't see you having many friends in the vampire world when you're just... Don't have your vampire fangs. Right. 
Which I still feel like, I feel like a good dentist would really solve that problem for you, but whatever. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts about Fiona? To me, Fiona feels like the Knight of Wands reversed. Uh, we should probably mention that. Uh, so, everyone... Well, first off, uh, wands are usually sort of a, a very action-forward suit vibe, if you will. So it's sort of like, I feel like that's a confuse things. It's sort of like when, Sagitt- when Sagittarius's go bad or something. <laughs> For the Knight of Wands reversed? Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Which is not going to help any of those people who are maybe also intro to astrology so that's a that's a lot of um you think a lot of quick thinking a lot of very you know go kind of like going with their own whims but maybe not for the best of intentions or reasons which is i think what 110 percent of what we see fiona do yeah i think there's a lot of chaos when the knight of wands is reversed because it's like you have all this energy and you just don't know what you're doing with it and like you also have a really good ability to like rope other people in to your ideas Mm -hmm. too yeah cool um anything else that we should talk about uh i don't think so unless there is anything else that you would like to bring up i don't think so i think we did it we did it. So everyone, you know, make sure you've read the next two books or at least have read the next book and are prepared for some spoilers because we're going to be back in two weeks like we always are. And we're going to be talking about Wayward Son, which someone on Instagram was like, when you covered Wayward Son, you should change your podcast name to Gayward Son. Oh, my God. <laughs> And then we can do the next one is any gay the wind blows. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> However, we will not be doing that. We will not be doing that, but maybe we should just made it the subheader of this. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to whomever on Instagram recommended that. Yeah. Thank you so much, everyone, for coming on this journey with us. It's been a joy, and we can't wait to start our next one. And if you, I don't know, want to have a tarot reading, you should definitely ha- lark up on his website. <laughs> you can do that. I'll probably not be offering them while I'm trying to run a Kickstarter to That's fair. make my tarot deck happen. I don't think I have that much energy. But if you are interested in kickstarting my very cool tarot deck, keep an eye out because it's going to be happening. I'm so excited about it. Thank you. Me too. Um... This podcast and our other podcast, The Gaily Prophet, are both creations of Hashtag Ruthless Productions and are produced, mixed, and edited by me. Find us on the internet at our website, hashtag ruthless.com, where you can listen to our podcast, um, buy our merch uh, if you're participating in a gift-giving holiday this time of the year. You can also find our Patreon link there if you want to get extra... The extra content up in there that we do every month. Yes. We're also on uh, social media. We're on Instagram at The Gaily Prophet and on Twitter at The Gaily Prophet. Um, You can find me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit and on Instagram at Live from Detroit. 
I can be found on Instagram at Lark Malachi or on my website, which is larkmalachi.com. The music in our theme song is by Kevin McLeod, and the rest of the music is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And until next time, Scott a moosh. moosh.